Who is ready for the Word of God this morning? Who is ready to be challenged? Who's ready to grow? As you can tell, I'm again very excited about the Word of God this morning. Johannes left me alone for two days. I love my husband, but man, it was me and Jesus. And we had fun. Before we start this morning, I want to encourage you, if you are new, I want to invite you. We've got a little gift for you outside after the service, just a little something to say, bless you, and we're so excited to meet you. And so, Vonai, stick your hand up. Vonai will be outside. We've got something for you. You can go and visit her at the info desk outside. And then also, I want to encourage you, we've got our notes on version. so if you use the Bible app. Johannes and I love the Bible app. We probably read our Bible on the Bible app every day. You can go and look at the notes there. Because sometimes I know I speak very fast. People say we can't keep up writing. So we've done the, the responsible thing and typed out the notes for in case I don't get through my whole sermon, which is most likely. Okay, awesome. So this morning, I want to continue the topic that we've spoken about for the last couple of weeks. So if you've been here... Um, and if you've missed some, you can go and look on YouTube. We've got a podcast. I don't even know where our podcast is. Where is it? It's in the link in the notes. Uh, Anchor FM. And so we've been talking about the kingdom of God, okay? Because as a church, our vision is to establish a loving Bible-based kingdom community. And so we thought, okay, well, before we get, get to a place where we understand what is our vision, we probably need to talk about and unpack what is the kingdom of God. And so we've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks, and we spoke about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And that really threw us because we realized that Jesus is saying that His kingdom is actually in complete contrast to the world that we live in. Everything is upside down. Okay, when the world says we need to get, 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 Jesus says you need to give, give, give. Okay, when the world says you need to promote yourself, it's all about you, you know, you must be happy and do all these things so you can live a great life. Jesus says die to your own life. It's not about you. It's about others. And so we've been talking about that contrast and what that means for us and what it means to be a true disciple of this kingdom. That being a disciple is not actually just something I say, it is actually something that transforms my entire life. It is actually something that I willfully decide. We don't wake up or born, get born Christians automatically, which is what I thought when I grew up because my parents were Christian, I grew up in a traditional church, okay, so I assumed that I was a Christian. And so we learn that Jesus' kingdom doesn't work that way. He wants us to actually make a willful decision to follow him, to count the cost and to realize that as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it will actually cost me the world. Amen? And so we spoke about in order for us to be salt and light, Jesus said in Matthew 5 at the end, he says, I want you to go and influence this world with the kingdom. In other words, I want you to go and be the salt and be the light. And salt and light, what does it do? It changes. It influences. It brings something new to the world. And he said, in order for you to be able to do that, first of all, we need to make a decision. We spoke about that. We need to have a real repentance. 
What does a real repentance mean? It's such a scary word sometimes. We don't want to say it in church. But real repentance just means I make a decision and I willfully change and follow Jesus in the opposite direction. There is no such thing as being a Christian and everything stays the same. That actually means maybe I didn't make a decision or I made a decision, but I didn't actually take the next step of walking in the other direction. And so we spoke about that, and then we, I'm just going to give a quick recap. Is that okay? And then we spoke about now, if I'm actually born again spiritually, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, which means I am God's child, okay? And now I am a new creation, the Bible says. I'm like a baby in the spiritual realm. Now this baby needs to grow. We need to get fed the Word of God. We need to have our mind renewed and literally feed on the Word of God. And then we need to be water baptized, which means we identify, lay down our old life, we walk in a new direction, and then we get baptized with the Spirit. Okay, we spoke about that last week. We get baptized with the Holy Spirit because that means we get clothed, we get power from on high. And now I want to take up the thought of that place. If we have been baptized with the Holy Spirit with power, why and what now? <laughs> okay, and there's obviously lots of subtopics we can talk about, but I really felt the Lord for the last three weeks, I've actually wanted to talk about this thing of why am I being empowered? Why did Jesus say, I'm going to receive power? And I just want to read this scripture again as our foundation to kick off this morning. I want to read Acts 1 verse 8. And so we spoke about this last week. And Jesus, just as he was about to ascend back to go to the Father, back to heaven, he grouped his disciples together and he said to them, go and wait in the upper room, wait for the gift of the Father. That is the baptism of Holy Spirit to empower us. And he said to them, and you will receive power and ability. Everyone say power and ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously, this was not just for the disciples in the upper room. We are also the disciples in the upper room this morning. And so what I want to talk about this morning, my sermon title is Empowered for Service. We are empowered for service in the kingdom. Amen. And so Jesus said that you will receive power and ability, and this power and ability has to be used with my instructions for service in the kingdom. It is not so we can be haughty and proud and mighty and, you know, you know I'm the one with the Holy Spirit. Does he die? Okay. It is actually for service in the kingdom. And so... Jesus tells us that this power is for a very specific purpose and mission. And I don't have the scriptures actually on the screen, but in your notes you can have a look. In Matthew 28 and in Mark 16, Jesus gives and describes the Great Commission. In other words, what was the mission that he gave us the Holy Spirit for? What was the mission that he wanted his disciples to continue with after he left to go back to the Father and that same mission is still our mission today. Every church 
has a vision and mission that has to tie into that great commission. It all comes back to the same thing. Okay? And in Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, Go and make disciples of all the nations. That includes Namibia. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And in Mark 16, he repeats the same thing. And he says to them, go and preach the gospel to all creation. I don't think that includes the sausage dog at home. (laughs) But all people, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. Although I have preached to my dog before. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) okay. So power is an interesting thing. Okay. When we are in the world, the world always tells us that power is there. Power and authority is there to lord over people. To make me important, to make me the leader, I am now in charge. Isn't that often what we learn in the world? That's what we learn in the world. The world says when one person has a special power, it can often get us into a position of pride. That is the danger in the world when we talk about power, when we talk about authority, when we talk about leadership. Okay? That power can often get us into a position of pride, arrogance, or thinking we are better than someone else. Not always, but often. And this is what I felt the Lord really put on my heart this morning, that the world can often see power as a way to control others or get others to do what I say because I'm the power and the authority in the room. But in the kingdom, Jesus comes and he turns that concept of power again upside down and he says, but in the kingdom, when you receive power, when you receive authority, when you receive receive leadership, it is actually for service. It is to empower others. It is not about you. It is about others. This is what Jesus teaches in the kingdom. And it was interesting to me, we spoke about, when we spoke about the Sermon of the Mount, we saw how Jesus often took out and took real serious um, hits at the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all those who sees, okay? And he often took them out because they didn't understand his kingdom. They didn't understand why he came or that he came to establish a new spiritual kingdom. And especially in the area of power. And there's a scripture, a couple of instances, but I'm just going to highlight two for time. In Matthew 23, where he takes another dab at the, at the religious leaders of the day. Because what happened? They would be walking around in the streets and in the synagogues hungry for power, hungry to be seen as the leaders of the day. Everyone just has to know that I am the leader, okay? They love titles. They love positions. They love to walk around with their tassels of their robes hanging so that everyone can just know that they are the leaders. And they put such a burden on the people that they were actually called to lead, never lifting a finger themselves. And Jesus said, I don't think you understand. This is not what I mean with power. Matthew 23, verse 11. And Jesus said to his disciples, after it describes how the religious leaders were walking around with that 
expectation of power. And it says, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so he takes the time to explain that when you receive power, when you receive authority in the kingdom, it is actually not for you or about you. It is actually for service. It is actually for others. It is actually for the great commission that is all about Jesus. Amen? It is all about him. And so I find this story hilarious. Just three chapters earlier in Matthew 20, James and John's mother, she was called Salome. Salome comes to Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't say that James and John asked her, but this is the way I see it. Okay, don't judge me, but this is the way I thought when I read it. I thought, okay, two mama's boys. They are walking with Jesus, and now you must know, Jesus is walking around, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's doing all this incredible ministry, and they are right next to him. Jesus is the talk of the town, and they are right next to Jesus. Okay, it's like I am the entourage. Okay, so that makes me a pretty big deal, because I'm with him, I'm with Jesus. So Salome comes, the mother of James and John, and she says to Jesus, can my two sons have the places of honor and authority next to you when you go and sit next to the Father in heaven one day? Sis, picky fun, what a cheek. Ne? It's like, excuse me, can I just ask if they can actually be die with two of any entourage? Can they be like your number one and number two? And Jesus looking at her, probably thinking, woman, if you just knew. And Jesus actually says to her, you don't know what you are asking. Will they drink from the same cup of suffering that I am? Because he's about to get crucified for the whole world. Lay his life down in service for people. And actually, both of them did die and suffer deaths for the kingdom, but they didn't know it at that time. And they were like, yes, we will drink of the cup of suffering. Okay. Because what, what were they aiming at? Their self-ambition, self-promotion wanted that place of honor, okay? There's something inside of our human nature that just loves to sit at the place of honor. It's just nice when, when people acknowledge that you are kind of it. <laughs> we all have experienced it in some shape or form. And Jesus says, it is actually not even for me to decide who sits in those positions. The Father will actually decide. And so the other disciples, I just laugh at this because the Bible says the other disciples were indignant, resentful, and angry. Why? Because they were probably angry that these two were aiming for the same positions they were aiming for. Everyone wanted to be number one and number two. Who wants to be number 12 when you can be number one? Okay. I saw this even in our church in South Africa. <laughs> When we would go on an outreach, everyone wanted to be on JC's team, Pastor JC. Holy Spirit works through everyone else, but they wanted to be JC's number one and number two. Okay. So there's something inside of the human nature that goes for that. And Jesus sees an opportunity. Okay. I'm probably going to have to teach on this again. So he calls them together and he says to them this, Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called them to himself and said, 
You know that the rulers of the Gentiles have absolute power and lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them, tyrannizing them. It is not this way among you, Jesus said. Jesus said, hear my heart in this. I did not give you authority and power. And the Holy Spirit was instilled to come on them in this great power for you. But whoever wishes to come or to become great among you shall be your servant. Not your leader, your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your willing and humble slave. Not some a servant, some a slave. And he said to his disciples, I want you to get this. This is a kingdom principle when it comes to leadership, when it comes to power, when it comes to authority. That if you want to be great, who wants to be great? I want to do great things for the kingdom. I want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to be great so everyone can think I'm great. I want to do great things for the kingdom. And Jesus says, if you want to be great, serve. If you want to be great, serve. If you want to go high, go low. That's the way of the kingdom. It is not the way of the world. And I love even this. This towel is not for, for me sweating while I'm preaching. In case someone thought that. Jesus goes, and there's another scripture. We don't have time to go into it. But in John 13, this is probably, we can meditate on this for the next five years, and it will change our lives, honestly. And Jesus comes, and he's sitting with his disciples in the upper room. And they are sitting, and they're getting ready for the Passover meal. And, and you know, in those days, they would sit around on the floor, and their feet were quite close to the food. We don't want to imagine such a scene. And what happened in those days is that they would wear sandals and they would walk far and they would walk in dirty roads and sand and dust. That full my us in Namibia. Okay, sand and dust everywhere, sweaty. I mean, it's nasty. Okay, and now you want to sit there with your bare feet and eat. Okay, so what would happen is the lowest servant in the house of the household. The lowest of the lowest. Die persoon wat nie eers by die tafel mag sit nie. Was the one that would actually grab a towel and go and wash the feet of the guests. Not even the host of the house would do that. It was not actually very cool for them to do that. It was kind of beneath them in many ways. So the lowest servant in the house would grab the towel to wash the feet of the guests that would come before they have dinner. And Jesus comes and it says he took off his robe. He grabbed the towel and he sat down in front of them. And he said, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but one day you will. I should have just grabbed a bucket and washed your feet. <laughs> and literally he starts washing the feet of the disciples. The task that the lowest servant in the house normally would do. And Jesus was teaching them something about servant leadership. Jesus was teaching them something about power and authority and why they were empowered because it was for service. If we want to go high in the kingdom, we have to go low. Amen. And so I think that's probably one of the most powerful illustrations of Jesus. His goal was to teach them 
that they were called, number one, to serve God. As children of God, we are called to serve God. Secondly, as children of God, we are called to serve one another. I'm called to serve Milani. It doesn't mean, it doesn't matter what position I have, what position she has. Position has nothing to do with it. Titles has nothing to do with it. Okay? They are titles for practical reasons, but it has nothing to do with it. And the third thing, we are called to serve those people that have yet to know Jesus. The world, the broken world around us, we are called to serve them with love. We are called to serve them with the fruit of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit, obviously. Amen? So Jesus had to remind the disciples of this principle that they were empowered for service. It was never for self-gain, self-promotion, but greatness comes through serving. Okay, and that word servant in the Greek, I find this interesting, is actually diakonos. That's where the English word deacon comes from. And when you go and read, actually in a dictionary, what this means, there's obviously a lot of translations, but the bottom line of this scripture, or this word that Jesus used as servant, means it's translated as minister, deacon, one who executes the command of another master. Oh, this is powerful. One who runs errands. This actually, it stands there. One who runs errands, the servant of a king. One who cares for the poor, a waiter, one who serves food and drink. Big up to the coffee team this morning. <laughs> one who serves coffee and drinks, I mean food and drinks. By virtue of the office assigned to him by the church. And when I was preparing this and I was like, Lord, okay, why are we called to serve? Why is this thing about leading and power and authority about service? And I actually felt the Lord say in my heart that it is the one way that we confront our own selfishness. Because in the kingdom, there is no place for self-focus, selfishness, self-promotion. And I think in our humanity, that's probably one of the biggest hurdles for us when it comes to living out our lives as disciples when it comes to adhering and surrendering our lives to the mission of Jesus, the Great Commission, because what is in the way? Me, myself, and I. We live in a world that says it's all about me. Jesus said, it is nothing about you. It is all about others. And so we realize that God has called all of us to be servants in the ministry. Who believes that they are in full-time ministry? That is because we think only the pastor is in full-time ministry. <laughs> but Jesus has actually said, actually, I called all of you for the ministry. This church is not the only ministry that there is. This is actually the place for empowerment for service of ministry on the outside of the church walls. And so, you know, this was a great relief for me because this means it doesn't all rest on me and Johannes, praise Jesus. Because <laughs> we would be crushed, amen. Read this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. 
I love this. The Apostle Paul says, But all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, making us acceptable to him, and gave us, everyone say us, the ministry of reconciliation, so that by our example we might bring others to him. So this means that when I become a child of God, bam, I have a ministry. We all have a ministry. We all have the same ministry. Okay, sometimes people are like, oh, I have the ministry of criticizing other ministries. No, no, no. We all have the same ministry. You have the ministry of reconciliation. We are supposed to serve people so they can come into the kingdom of God. And then we are supposed to serve one another, to strengthen one another for the work of the ministry. Amen? Does that make sense this morning? Paul said we are the body of Christ. In other words, we have to work together to reconcile the lost and broken world back to Christ. And we do this through being empowered by the Spirit and then serving out that power. That is what he says. And so I want to put up a slide that explains the different gifts. And it's impossible for us to even go into that topic this morning. But I want to say this, that Johannes and I really feel strongly to start with evening services. Okay, so praise the Lord. We're trusting for increase because we want to start practically equipping us as a church to go out and do the works of the ministry on the outside of the church walls. And so we're going to look at all these different gifts. We're going to pray. We're going to do practical things. We're going to teach you how to hear God's voice. We are going to move into the prophetic. We're going to move into healing. We're going to move into how do I pray for someone that manifests with a demonic presence? How do we do these things practically? And so some nights we might even push away the chairs. It will be real practical. Okay, who's excited for that? Yes, we are excited. Johannes is first up. And so I'm just going to quickly run through the gifts this morning, but we are going to tackle them head on in another time. But so these are the gifts that the Bible actually speaks about. And there are other gifts like administration, worship leaders, different things. But these are generally considered the three main scriptures that speak about the gifts and empowerment we receive for service. Amen. So first, we've got the Father's gifts when you go and read through Romans 12, okay? And we don't have time to go through all of them. These are what they often refer to as the redemptive gifts, in other words, motivation gifts. These are the things that you are born with. The Father decides, I want Milani to be a real lover of people, and she's born with it. You know, you're born with certain things, certain natural abilities, certain natural inclinations that is part of your personality. It's part of who you are. It's part of what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, things that make you, you. That is the motivation gifts from the Father, okay? Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving. In other words, you are just blessed and anointed to have successful businesses, okay? And the Lord wants to use you to give into the kingdom. Leadership and mercy, okay? So, quick overview of that. Then there are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The manifestation gifts, in other words, when we were baptized last week with Holy Spirit, it is His gifts to give in the situation when it is necessary as He wills. Okay, these are the supernatural manifestations, things like words of wisdom, words of knowledge, Faith, we all have faith, but this is the gift of faith. Healing, working of miracles, 
prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Then we get to the gifts that Jesus gives to the church. This is in Ephesians 4. They talk about scripture or scholars describe it as the governmental gifts. In other words, you'll often hear people speak about the office of a teacher, the office of a prophet. These are leadership positions that not everyone is called in the fivefold ministry, as they call it. In other words, these are the gifts that Jesus gives to the church to equip the church, everyone in the church, for the works of service. So in other words, your apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So Johannes and I find ourselves in that place where God has called us to equip the body for service. Amen? I'm just going to take a sip of water. You can talk amongst yourselves. Okay, so I want to read Ephesians 4 that describes that in a little bit more detail, the gifts that Jesus gives. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, or gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers for this purpose, to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. And verse 13, until we reach, number one, unity in the faith. Number two, in the knowledge of the Son of God. Number three, become mature. Number four, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so, what are the things, what is the point that I'm trying to make? The point I'm trying to make is we are all empowered by God, empowered by Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit for works of service. We all have gifts. Some of us just don't know what they are yet. We all have a calling, a destiny, some function within the body that has to attain to this goal, this ministry of reconciliation, that has to do with getting people into the kingdom of God. That is actually why we are here. We are not here to just live life and, and go to Swakop and It's awesome. I love going to the beach. I'm an oceans person. I miss Cape Town. Okay? It's very sandy here in Windhoek. But that's not the purpose of our life. The purpose of why we were born is to serve the kingdom of God. And that is what we will get rewarded for. The, Paul says in, in Corinthians that we will all stand before Jesus to give an account of our works of service. Amen? And so our job, Johannes and my job here in Living Word Vintuk, is to equip you for the works of service that God has called you for. Amen? But... The best news of the day is that we are not the only ones called to the work of service. Every one of us, if you are a child of God, bam, you're in. You're in for the works of service. Okay? 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, use your gifts to serve one another, to be faithful stewards. There we come back to the stewardship thing. Okay? When you think about all the parts of the body... Okay, everyone just always focuses and thinks a calling is a vocation. A calling is something that only the one with the microphone has a calling. Okay, there are parts of the body that are unseen, 
but probably has the most important function, more important than the mouth. I think I'm part of the mouth, but there are other functions more important. Think of the liver. Think of the heart. Think of your klein twinkie. Who knows that you cannot do anything without a klein twinkie? You will have no balance. <laughs> she knows, okay. So I want to make the point that every part in the body, every gift, every ability, every person's role is important. And can you see that the body cannot actually function without all of the parts? If I run around here without a leg, I'm not going to be able to fulfill and do everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, if I don't have a liver, I will probably die of poison very, very soon. The liver is important. No one sees the liver. No one sees what the liver does. No one probably even thanks the liver, acknowledges the liver. But Jesus sees. This is a word for someone this morning. Even though no one sees what you are doing, no one recognizes, no one acknowledges, no one gives you an award, an Oscar, a prize, even just an acknowledgement. But Jesus sees, and he's the one that will reward. Amen? We are all called for full-time ministry. Your ministry may be in your school. Your ministry might be in the government. Praise Jesus. We need more people to do ministry in the government. <laughs> okay? We need ministers in the corporate world. We need ministers in retail. We need ministers in tourism. We need ministers in every single area. But it's time for the church to wake up and realize that they are actually ministers in the field. Okay? Don't leave the work just for the pastors. Or sal do it neerslaan. Okay, that's why I'm excited. We've got a four-day holiday next week. <laughs> okay, we're all called to be ministers. Okay, and here's the thing. Sometimes, and I want to say this with, and this comes from my own testimony. So I'm going to refer to myself. I'm going to talk about myself. But maybe you can relate to this this morning. Okay, sometimes we get so tripped up with what is my calling? What is my purpose? What is my destiny? And... We go from conference to conference and course to course and this and that and podcast to podcast. But we stay on the seat, the pew. And the pew stays warm. And I honestly, in my own life, I saw this. When I actually got up from the pew and I just started moving in a direction of service of any kind. The Lord can start to move me and pull me in the direction that he wants me. Joyce Meyer, bless her, I love her. She says, God cannot move a parked car. Get out of park and get into first gear and just move to the next point. Just do something. Just get up and serve in your local church. Okay? Just do something. Just pray a dangerous prayer one morning, every morning, and ask the Lord, Lord, and some mornings, I don't want to pray this. Lord, where do you want to use me today? No one wants to pray that because I don't want to be inconvenienced. And I'm one of those people, I work out my list of things to do. I'm very focused. You can ask Johannes, even when we go to a shop, even that aisle, no, I'm focused. I want to do this. I'm task-driven. I need to get things done. Okay? 
But if we never give the Lord an opportunity to interrupt our schedule for His service, for His ideas, for His plan for the day, this is what we are empowered for. We are empowered for service. So don't worry so much about you know, staying in a place of, I will only move until I have a burning bush experience or Jesus comes physically into my room and tell me, you are called as a prophet to the nations. Well, he's probably not going to put you on a platform for the globe and say, start prophesying to the world. We probably still have to start somewhere. And this is something I've learned in my own life. Look at David. David was anointed for king how many years until he got to his vocation of kingship he still had to tend to the sheep okay he still had to feed scarpies bokies and all of that as he was prepared for what God had for him Joseph okay he was in the prison and he started somewhere and then God promoted him but he already had a dream as a child okay that his brothers were going to bow down to him he was going to be in leadership of the entire Egypt but he still had to just start somewhere. And sometimes I see this with people that we're so hung up on what is my vocation? What must I do? Must I be a lawyer? Must I be a doctor? Must I be a pastor? Don't I just want to actually, can I just make it easy for us this morning? Don't worry about what must I do. Just get into a position of serving the kingdom. I mean. Just get into a position of serving, and God is big enough to get us where He wants us to be. Because in any case, whatever He's called you and me for, He's not going to just put you like a scarfboard right there. He's going to have to train us first. He's going to have to test us first. Faithfulness will be tested. Trust will be tested. Obedience will be tested. Amen? Character has to be formed. We cannot be in a position of leadership and authority with bad character. And sometimes it does happen, unfortunately. But when we just start serving somewhere, God will promote us. Because promotion doesn't come from the east, north, south, or west. It only comes from God. And we don't even need to, like I remember working in the corporate world, sometimes you had to fight to make sure that you were seen, that your efforts were seen. This strategy that I presented was actually my idea. Can I get that promotion? It doesn't work like that in the kingdom. In the kingdom, promotion comes through serving, through going lower, not higher. Amen? I remember in my own life, I never had an experience where the Lord came to me in a supernatural dream, where he walked into the room, 10 angels came and announced, you're going to plant a church in Bintuk. In 2021, I just had an inclination that I wanted to work for church for the rest of my life. That's all I knew. I don't know how or where or what, but I remember I gave my heart to the Lord and there was a course. I think it was a Bible school. There were four subjects we could do and one of them was leadership. And I didn't even care what it was. I just had a desire to know more. I had a desire to grow in the Word. I had a desire to get to know the Lord. And on the, I think the second course we did was this leadership course. And, and the pastor, the teacher that was presenting the course that night, he said, I feel in the room God spoke to me before the session. And he said, there are some people in this room and God has called you for the full-time work of the ministry. In other words, the church. 
And I've never seen myself as a leader, never thought about leadership. I was the shy girl in the corner, never spoke to anyone. And something inside of me went, this is you, you must go to the front. And you know, sometimes when someone, when a preacher calls people to the front, you know it's you, but you fight. Okay, who's been there? Jesus, Nia, Akani, Akani. And then the Lord goes, it's you. Nia, Nia, Yara, Nia, what is my sin? I don't want people to see me. Let's first see who else goes. Let's see who else gets up. Okay? I know you, this is some of you. I see you every Sunday. <laughs> okay? God's going to get you somewhere. Okay, so we can fight with him as long as we want to. But that night I decided, oh, and it took everything for me to get up. I don't think you understand. It took everything for me to get up. And I didn't even know why I was getting up. And that night he prayed, he anointed us. And I'm telling you now, I was never, ever the same. And nothing actually happened. Now I thought, okay, well, he prayed for me. Now a position at church must obviously open up. I am ready to resign. I was a director at a, a, a public relations agency, advertising agency. I was like, I don't care anything about advertising. I want to work for Jesus. A position in the church must open up, obviously. Nothing happened for six years. I begged the Lord. I prayed. I served five services on a Sunday. I mean, I was there. When I heard there was a PA position for the pastor, my CV was all da before the job was even advertised. Okay. We had interviews, everything. And she said, <laughs> I was devastated. She said, I don't feel the Lord says it's you. I thought, I don't think my pastor is hearing from the Lord. I think she is missing. I, I, think, I think she needs to go pray again. And you can tell, Johannes met me in that time. You can tell the desire that I had, honestly. And God just did not open the door. And I started serving in church, and I just felt the Lord say, serve me with what is in your hand. Serve what is in your hand, and I will be the one that will open the doors. You don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to wave, hi, pick me, pick me. God knows where you are. He will promote in his time because he knows what he is doing. And I can tell you now, I now look back when you plant the church. I look back, and Johannes and I laugh about this all the time. The areas where we served for years, I was in the events team. My job on a Sunday, toilet paper, clean toilets, clean bins, clean wash basins, clean, clean, clean. I was the cleaner for three years. And it also was not a campus comfortably five minutes from my house. It was a 30-minute drive from Century City to Somerset West. If you're in Cape Town, it meant five o'clock on a Sunday morning, I was on the end too. And I stayed there for the whole day until the evening. And I did it for three years because, number one, I loved it. But number two, I felt the Lord say, serve with what is in your hand. And trust me to open the door for your ministry when the time is right. And Johannes did the same. Oh, you know. And I want to say this. If you are married, God's grace. If you are not married... Do not date someone that is not serving in the house of the Lord. Why am I saying that? Because that is the character that you want in someone. When I first saw Johannes, he was serving and working for an NGO, global NGO, fighting anti-human trafficking, part of the church, incredible ministry. But what impressed me the most about this guy 
Because now remember, I knew I wanted to work for church and I actually wanted to marry a pastor. I decided I wanted to marry a pastor. Okay, he wasn't a pastor, but he was working and serving this couple who led this global ministry. What was he doing on a Sunday? I saw him running around, making sure they had water, making sure they had coffee, making sure, run around with his Bible. He was serving all the time. And I said to Johannes, that is what impressed me the most. Okay, and he worked for the ministry, which means he wasn't necessarily, you know, deep in the bank account. That didn't matter to me at all. What I saw in him was a servant's heart. And I thought to myself, that is something that money cannot buy. You cannot pray that into someone. They have to decide. Willingness is massive. And he was a servant and heart. And I thought to myself, die, hunt for my back. Okay, and so... I really believe that that is something that the Lord wants to cultivate in us for where we are going, that we have to be empowered for service. And before I go over time, where was I? There's this beautiful story in Act 6. I want to end with this. That is so encouraging to me. It's about Philip the evangelist. Who's ever heard about Philip the evangelist? He's not the most well-known character in the Bible. But I did some cross-referencing, and if you go and read his story, in Acts 6, the apostles came together, and the church started to grow. Holy Spirit was poured out. Okay, it's mayhem. It's chaos. You know, everyone is just becoming Christians left, right, and center. And the apostles, okay, and so they decided the work of the ministry is too much for them. The, they had ministry for the poor. They had to give food out to all the people, the widows that would come that they needed to feed. And they actually said, actually, we need to focus on prayer and preparing and studying the word of God. We need to appoint other people to do the works of service, the administration of the actual church. And they appointed seven men, I think they were women also, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to do the administration work of serving. And Philip was one of them. So Philip started out as serving the food and the drinks to the woman that would come that would have nothing to eat, the poor. That's where he started. If you do a proper study, I'm sure you can tell how long he did that for. Then you come to Acts 6. No, sorry, that was Acts 6. Then you come to Acts 8, and it says that he was preaching the gospel. So now he's gone from the waiter to the preacher in Samaria. He was preaching the gospel for people to get converted in Samaria. Okay, they saw incredible miracles. And then, further in Acts 8, he had a supernatural encounter where an angel came to him and said, I need you to go on this mission to go and find the eunuch next to the road. And he ends up going there. So first of all, supernatural experience. Sometimes we all want to wait for the supernatural experience. Maybe we just need to start serving on the coffee team. Don't call me Engel. Oh, I'm having fun. And so then he came to the eunuch, and he preached the gospel to the eunuch. He baptized him in water, and then the angel supernaturally took him and transported him to another town. No, sister, I'm just going to wait here for the Lord to, to do something supernatural in my life. Get serving, and maybe the angel will show up. I mean, And so then you get to Acts 21, and it says, Philip the evangelist had four daughters, and they were all prophesying powerfully. 
So even that small act of starting to serve with the coffee led him to become one of the biggest evangelists of the early church. Even one of the churches that the Apostle Paul came to was founded by this Mr. Philip, who said, yes, Lord, use me. I've got a dream to be an evangelist, but I see there's a need at the coffee table. Can I just start there? That is the heart of what I feel the Lord wants to encourage us this morning with. And I think oftentimes we find ourselves in this place where either we don't believe we have a gift, we don't believe we have something to contribute, which is the biggest lie of the enemy. Or number two, we find ourselves in a place where I'm so busy with life for me, I don't have time for the work of the Lord. I don't have time to serve on a Sunday. I don't have time to serve my employees. I don't have time to serve my spouse because it's actually all about me. And this morning, I really feel that the Lord wants to challenge our hearts. Are we going to be willing to take up the ministry of serving in our homes? I see sometimes in marriage counseling, sometimes all that is needed is spouses just need to serve each other. And then maybe we don't actually need to come for counseling because we are just going to focus on your need, not my need. Are we willing to serve in our marriages? Are we willing to serve our children? Are we willing to serve in our workplaces, serve our business, serve our employees? What does that look like? Holy Spirit will tell you what servant leadership looks like in each of those areas. Number three, are we willing to serve in our local church? This morning, everything you see here was set up by four people. But you know what? We've got so many opportunities. We are still a new church. We don't have 10,000 ministries. You might feel called for this ministry and that ministry. That's amazing. We will get there. But right now, we need a hand on coffee. We need a hand next to Yaku on the sound desk. We do training for that. It's just moving a button up two or three times. We don't even have a live worship team. Okay, we need a hand in our children's church. You know, it's so incredible. Our team that have been part of, with us for at least two years now, none of them had any experience in any kind of ministry whatsoever. And I watched some of the girls in Keith's church flourished suddenly with teaching giftings that none of them knew they had. And as we start to serve, we start to see different people with different gifts emerging that they didn't even know that they had. And so we're moving people around and like Stefan, look at him. He's actually just still operating. <laughs> he set up this whole thing outside this morning. Because he's got a servant heart. He's just said, look, I know I've got a big call of God upon my life, but actually, what do you need today? Do you need a hand here? Do you need me to move this chair? Do you need this? Do you need that? And I think that is the heart that the Lord wants to cultivate inside of us so that we can actually serve and achieve the mission and the vision that he's given us. Amen. So I want to pray. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? And I'm sorry I've gone five minutes over time. It's okay, God is still good. And I want to pray for you this morning. And Jesus said in Matthew 9 verse 37 that the harvest is plenty. 
The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And this morning, I want to pray for, for people, first of all, who are currently serving. And I'm not, when I talk about serving, I'm not just talking about local church. I'm talking about serving in your business, serving where God has placed you, serving in your home, in your marriage. And you feel tired and you feel depleted and you feel like no one is ever seeing your sacrifice. No one is seeing what you are pouring out and what you are doing every day. And you just feel tired. I want you to just gently raise your hand. No one's looking around. I just want to pray a prayer of strength for you this morning. And you're tired and you say, Lord, but I am serving. Lord, but I am giving. And I'm continuing, pour out, pour out, pour out. But I'm running on empty and I need your strength. I want you to just raise your hands again so I can just see who you are. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you see every hand this morning, even before they raise their hands. And Lord, I want to pray this morning that you will touch each one of us who feel that we are running on empty. Lord, I want to pray that you will show them how much you see. Because you are God, our Roy, the God who sees. Those of you who run your own businesses, oh man, I feel like planting a church is like running a business. And you are pouring in more than what you have. Lord, I pray supernatural strength released right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will touch them supernaturally. Lord, your word says that your burden is light. We just need to come to you. Lord, I pray for divine energy to be released into their bodies. Lord, I pray for refreshment in their hearts and in their minds. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to cast aside the things that they shouldn't be worried about, Lord. The burdens that they can release to you, I pray that they would release it to you this morning. I pray for the peace that passes, surpasses all understanding to be on you right now in Jesus' name. Just fill them up, Lord. Just fill them up in Jesus' name. And then I want to pray for another group of people this morning. If you are maybe sitting here this morning and you feel like this message is actually stirring your heart and you know it's time to actually take a next step of faith. And I don't know what that next step of faith is. Maybe that next step of faith is serving your spouse in a way that you just actually haven't wanted to do because he or she is not doing that for me. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about them. What I want you to do is give. Trust me to do the rest. Trust me to bring the change. God's word said it's not by might, it's not by power, but it is by His Spirit. Maybe God is nudging your heart that it is time to step out and serve in the local church. But maybe you're not sure where you fit in or don't worry, we've got tons of things to do. There's a place for you. And as the church grows, the more the workers come in, the more we can grow, the more we can do all the other ministry that's on our hearts. God takes His time to build things. We're in a place of foundation, but we need workers to come and help us build the foundations. 
Maybe the Lord is nudging your heart that He wants you to start praying a dangerous prayer of, Lord, how do you want to use me today? How can I serve your kingdom today in my workplace? How can I serve your kingdom today in my school, in my university? Maybe the Lord wants to use you this week to bring a word of encouragement, to pray with someone, to just give someone who's thirsty a drink, whatever it looks like, big or small, it doesn't matter. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand this morning. If the Lord is nudging your heart that it's time to take a step of faith in service, whatever that looks like. And I want to encourage you, don't wait. Jesus is coming back soon. We don't have time to wait. Johannes preached the message two weeks ago and he said, get into the river. Get into the river. The time is now. You're not going to regret it. We will never regret doing things for the Lord. Even if people never, ever, ever recognizes us, it doesn't matter. We don't live for them. We live for Jesus. We live for His approval. We live for His affirmation. We live because He's the one who sees and He's the one that will reward. And so, Lord, I thank you that you see every hand this morning, Lord. And I pray for a new spirit of boldness to be released upon your people this morning. Lord, help us to be obedient when Holy Spirit asks us to serve in any area. Lord, I pray for spouses to serve one another on a whole new level. And Lord, that you will bring restoration through that. Lord, I pray for business leaders. Lord, I pray for a new revelation of servant leadership. And what does that look like in my business? What does that look like in my home? What does that look like in the church? I pray for those who feel that Hey, I actually feel, and I've been feeling a nudge for a while to serve in the local church, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. Lord, I pray for a spirit of courage and boldness and faith to just say, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go, and God is going to guide my every step. He's going to equip me. It's not my own strength. It is by His Spirit in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just want to pray a blessing over every person. May you empower us. Lord, may you guide us and may we be obedient to your voice in every area. May we continue to learn and grow in this kingdom principle of serving, serving you, serving one another in our family of faith and serving a broken world who desperately needs your love and your peace. I want to pray a blessing over every person, a blessing over their week. And Lord, may we go from strength to strength and glory to glory because of who you are and because of what you have done for us. And everyone said, Amen.